Our Father God in heaven, Lord, we thank you. We love you, God. In your house, uh, your name is exalted. In our lives, your name is exalted. Let us live that. Uh, Lord, as we enter into this time of teaching, uh, Lord, we ask that we can just focus on you. We can hear your words, and they can penetrate and transform our lives for your good. Uh, Lord, we thank you. We love you, and we praise in your name, Jesus. Amen. Let's do it. Let's, let's get started. Let's continue on in our series on the Ten Commandments. Uh, and we're going to hit number six today. So if you've got a Bible, uh, turn to Exodus chapter 20. Um, today's going to be a little bit different in the sense that we're going to not spend as much time in the old. We're going to transition to the new quite uh, quickly. Um, and and there's, a, there's a huge intention for this. Uh, because uh, when we look at this commandment, and, and if you, uh, you got your Bibles open, it, it's pretty straightforward. It says, uh, you shall not murder. I mean, there's not a lot of explanation to this, this text. Actually, in the Hebrew, it's two words, don't murder. Just, just, just don't do it. Now, one of the things in which I want to bring up is kind of remember the context in which we're, we're in with um, the, the, the law giving. Moses is up on the mountain. They, they've uh, just come out of, um, the, uh, of slavery, out of, out of Egypt. And, and about three months into this, the, in the fourth month, is when we're, they're getting all of the, the, the commandments. And this is what they're, they're, they're gaining this information and these commands and this instruction from God so that they can, as he says, live long in the land, the land in which God has taken them to. So understand this, that, that as we look back at the Ten Commandments, we are, we're looking not as a bunch of rules, a list of rules in which we have to abide by that, so that God um, uh, likes us better. No, what we're doing is we're looking back and looking at these, these laws, these commands which God has given us is because this is God's moral code. This is his, his order. This is really a reflection of who God is. Now, when we see, we see things like this, um, straightforward commands, as in we have in verse 13, where it says, do not or you shall not murder. Don't murder, y'all. So we have to understand that it's a very direct, direct command. Now, I, I want to take one step back um, and uh, uh, answer a question that it, it, it was presented when we did that little, the question uh, note cards things. But it, this is a question that's been brought up multiple times when talking about uh, the Ten Commandments, um, especially with uh, individuals, guys and gals like myself that have served in the military. Um, we have the, the, the question comes um, up, well, what about in time of war? Well, here's what we have to look at real quick because uh, there's, a, there's a translation issue. And please, my KJVers, don't, don't freak out here because uh, this is, we have to, I'll, hopefully I'll explain this well. Um, in the, the, the King James version of the Bible, great translation. I grew up on it. I, I love it. Stay in your seat, Dad. Um, so, good translation. But what we, just hear me on this, what we have to understand is when it was translated in the 17th century, the 1600s, um, when it says in there, thou shalt not kill, um, understanding that, that, that the word kill in the, the, the 17th century and the 1600s had a lot more force and a lot more impact than it does today, it has to be brought to light because what has happened throughout the years is people say, well, the Bible says that we're not to kill. 
Well, it says thou shalt not kill in that, in, 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 in that. not only that translation, other translations, but the, the, the word there, the Hebrew word there, rasah, R-A-S-A-H, actually means, is, is, is clearly distinctive of murder and killing one's, uh, killing, or not killing, I should say, not killing one's friend, but killing one's enemy. So understand this. When it says here that we are to not to murder, that, that is a, uh, a, a, a close proximity, um, and, and I'll throw this word in, a premeditative killing, all right? So when the Bible says, thou shalt not kill, that's what the intended, the, the, the translators of the King James and other versions, when they put that in there, that their, their minds were thinking that. Because it is clear in um, the, the original language of, of, of Hebrew that this word, it's a special word actually for kill. Um, and, and I've got a couple notes here just to, so you don't think I'm all too cuckoo. Uh, the Hebrew word here that, that, that I said, rasah, R-A-S-A-H, is a common one. It's a common one in the Old Testament. It, it, but it's a restricted term is what it's called. Generally referring to killing someone who is not an enemy. In other words, it is used, I'm sorry, it is not used in context of war or in, for punishment for a crime. So, so understand, and what I want to get out here is when it says thou shalt not kill, and it says do not murder, murder is a better translation because what we have to understand is that God actually uses death as a punishment of, of, of his own. So if, if God says don't kill and, and then he goes and does it, it kind of gives, it, it, it makes things a little wonky for us. And we're like, wait a second, are we to kill or are we not to kill? That is the question, right? That was a joke. So understand, understand here when we're talking, it says, do not murder. You shall not murder. That's a, the best understanding, the best translation of this because uh, the Bible does not teach pacifism. So, so, and how many in here have seen Hacksaw Ridge? Good movie, yeah, I, I've seen it, but um, the, 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 the thought behind that, there's a whole, uh, there, there are a whole, uh, Christian, quote-unquote, denominations that, that, that feed on the, the pacifist uh, mindset. Well, the Bible says we shouldn't kill, so we shouldn't do this. We should never be engaged in war. God uses war. God uses killing. God uses these tools. How, and I'm not, I'm not even acting like I, I understand why all of this happens, but I just know that God uses this. So understand, brother, sister, if, you're, if you've had the question of, you know, I was in war, I have a friend, or, or whatever. I just had this thought of, like, what about what it is that we're involved in right now with the war on terror and everything? So if a bad guy comes, we're not supposed to, to, to shoot him? No, that's not what I'm saying. You know, it, there, there is a clear distinction here between killing and, and murder. Um, premeditative, is, is, I, I believe, is the, the, the clearest distinction here. So... Um, I hope I, don't, I didn't muddy the water down uh, too much right there. I hope that it brings a little bit of clarity because I, what I want us to do is understand that um, God is a, a very merciful God, but God's also a wrathful God. And his, his law, his order, his, his uh, um, character um, is protected sometimes by killing. And, and I, I, I'm, I'm not comfortable all the way with that because I don't understand all of it. But I think the understanding that God uses that is a tool um, 
glory be to God, I guess. I, I, don't, I don't know how else to say that. So if I, if I stand up here and act like I got it all figured out on, on the, the killing aspect, no, I, I have it figured out in the sense that um, there, are, there is a time in which it is appropriate and there's a time in which it is not appropriate. Um, you shooting lasers at me right now is not appropriate, uh, which we're going to talk about in a second. No, no lasers. Or Nerf guns, no. <laughs> what, what, what I wanted to, what I really want to us to, to understand is, so why did, why did God say this? Why did God give this commandment to his people to say, okay, you shall not murder or don't murder? Well, I think that um, in the, the, the most obvious thing is God protects and has a high standard and a high view on human life. And I think that we can see that uh, very, very clearly. But not only that, I mean, I think that we can look at the, 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 the nation of Israel and, and look at the, the, the nations around them where uh, human life wasn't um, that, uh, that important because they were, they were uh, um, sacrificing humans, the, 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 the uh, uh, religions and the people around them. So God makes a very clear, very, very firm distinction. This is what I want you to do, and this is how you're going to be. Well, I look at this, and I'm thinking, okay, that's, that's, really, that's, that, that's clear, that's cut. Okay, we can, we can end there. We can pack up. We can go home. But I, I think that, that as we um, unpack this even further on taking the, the old and bringing this into the new, we get an even deeper understanding of, of God's character and um, who, who we are to be and how we are to live uh, because of a commandment like this. Uh, if you've got your Bible, turn to um, Matthew chapter 5. In Matthew chapter 5, we're going to start bringing this all together. And like I said, it was a quick transition from the old into the new because I think you got it. Don't murder. Not good. In Matthew chapter 5, I, I want to look at, um, I'm going to start in verse 17. And, and, and I know that we've already, um, we've already went over this and we've already established this uh, a few weeks ago, but I, I think it's important for the, the, um, the commandment in which we're, we're looking at today that to start here uh, because um, it just makes sense, whatever. 17, Jesus is speaking here. He says, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. So Jesus is making a perfectly clear statement to, to um, here it's a Sermon on the Mount. He's making a perfectly clear statement to his audience. Um, remember the, 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 the law and the Ten Commandments? I didn't come to abolish them. Um, abolish is not a, a word in which we use a lot today, but in other words, to overthrow or to get rid of or throw away the, the, the law. He says, I didn't come to abolish the law, but I've come to fulfill them. We've talked in the past that, that, that the fulfillment comes in where Jesus perfectly fulfills uh, through his, his uh, life, his sinless life, he fulfills the law. No one, none of you all in here, none, I can't, none of us can perfectly fulfill the law of God, meaning that we will never sin. The only one who ever perfectly fulfilled the law of God is Jesus. So when he perfectly fulfilled the law of God, he can then um, stand in our place, and we'll talk a little bit later about standing in our place as our, as our sacrifice, as a propitiation, the, the, the satisfying of God's wrath, so that God doesn't have to kill us. So we can stand in front of God. So when, when Jesus is talking about he comes to fulfill the law, I didn't come to abolish it. I didn't come to take something that has been established and throw it out the window. I've come to fulfill this. 
He says, for truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot, nothing, not a letter, not a stroke of the key, nothing will pass from the law until until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of God. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of God. So Jesus is stressing not only here are we to teach, but make sure what you're teaching is in line with what he has said. Does your teaching help people um, encourage one another in the law which God has given us? Or does your teaching uh, give them a reason to relax and, oh, you don't need to really worry about that? Be fearful of that. And when I say fearful, in, in a good fear of God. So if you're teaching um, mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, aunt, uncle, whoever, if you're teaching your kids or those in which you are, are over, or if you're teaching them, oh, it doesn't matter. Oh, you know, it says that you shouldn't do this. It says not to lie. But little white lies won't hurt anyone. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Again, if you're relaxing that commandment, it says that there's going to be repercussions from that. Not my words, it's in red, so you know it's, it's good, right? Verse 20, For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Jesus makes it perfectly clear, and he's taken um, what he's doing here, is he's taken this religious, quote-unquote, religious group of people, the scribes and the Pharisees, who all of the people look at these scribes and the Pharisees and say, they've got their stuff together. They are the, the, the ones that, that are closer to God. If anybody's going to get to heaven, these are the people who are going to get to heaven. And they'll tell you that because they're very self-pious. But what Jesus is saying is, if you think that, that if their, their righteousness is good, it, for you to get to heaven, your righteousness has to exceed theirs. For the, the, the audience there, that's one of those moments like, poof, wait a second, none, no one's righteousness is better than the, the scribes or the Pharisees. And that's exactly what Jesus is saying here. There are no, there's nothing, no righteous works in which you can do and which I can do to gain favor with God. There's no, I can pray this many times a, a day and I can give this much and I can serve this much and I can do this much and I can help this old lady across the street. Maybe not that one, but this one. And, uh, you know, God's going to love me more. I, I, I can get down and I can pray 14 times a day and I can do, no, it, it, it's, there's nothing that you can do to gain God's favor. Which is, in some, for some people, like, wait a second, what am I supposed to do? Well, that's the beautiful part about faith in Jesus Christ. Because of faith in Jesus Christ, we can be made righteous. Our righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees and the scribes. Not because of what we've done, but because of what he has done. Because he is the, uh, the one who fulfilled the law. And because he fulfilled the law, um, I, I think it's in... Uh, 2 Corinthians 5, where it says that he made him who knew no sin to be sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. That great exchange. Jesus exchanged his fulfillment of the law for our sin nature. And because he exchanged his fulfillment of the law and his righteousness for our sin nature, we can then be put above the righteousness that Jesus, right here, that Jesus is talking about of the scribes and the Pharisees. That is the righteousness in which we have. So when Jesus is talking here about um, this, uh, the, the, the law and the prophets, and he's talking about the commandments, it's important that we understand this. This is why we're doing this whole series for the past few weeks.
And, and, and the reason I wanted to, to bring that back up again is Jesus says, okay, now if you relax one of these, it's going to go bad. And what's the first example in which he uses about relaxing one of these? Verse 21, you have heard it said, heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder. So he, he uses, and this is why I wanted to start here, because he uses this commandment, which we're talking about not murdering. He uses this, this as an example of, okay, don't relax this commandment. And whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. Pause. Jesus, and this is, this is where we got to press in a little bit. Jesus is not saying, okay, the, that commandment of murdering somebody, we're going to just set that aside and we're going to look at this, this new commandment. No, he's taking that, 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 that commandment of murdering and he's intensifying this now. He's defining what it really means to murder someone. He, he, he takes it from a physical action to an emotional and a spiritual action here. He says, if you look at your brother with contempt, if you hate your brother, you're murdering him. I, I love what, what, um, uh, what, what John says about this as well. Uh, keep your finger here in Matthew, but turn over to 1 John chapter 3. And so that's, that's in the, the, towards the back. Towards the back there. 1 John chapter 3, um, verse 15. Because um, John talks about this. And it expounds on really what Jesus is saying even a little bit deeper here. Verse 15, it says, Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Pause there for a second. So Jesus takes this don't murder, now brings it into a, a, a very real context for us. So now, what, is it, well, what does it really mean? I'm good because I'm, I'm not, I didn't kill anybody. Don't, no, no one raised their hand, but I mean, how many of you have murdered someone in here by, you know, killing them? That I want to, yeah, I hid the body well. No, don't want to hear that, but here's the deal. No, 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 one, no one's sitting here thinking that, but when, when Jesus intensifies this and says, wait a second, if you hate your brother, you're a murderer. You're, you're, you're breaking that commandment, which was established of old. Now in here, the new. So as we look at that and we, we think, okay, wait a second. If I'm angry with my brother, if I hate my brother or my sister or my husband or my wife or whatever, if you hate or you're, 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 you're angry with, you are right, on, you're right in line with what it means to be a murderer. Okay, well, you got me. Okay, fine, good, I got you. Let's talk about that now. So is being angry a sin? Is being angry... A sin, because, wait a second, it says if, if I'm angry, if I'm, if I'm uh, hateful towards my brother, then, I've got, then I have caught, you know, committed murder, and it is a sin. But, but let's put a little thumbtack in this for a second. Let's look at this real, real quick. Because I, I think that if we just kind of group everything together, and we, we, we try to throw everything in one little pot, that we have a tendency to kind of muddy the, the, the water even more. 
Um, I think it's un- we, we need to understand, remember the Ten Commandments is, is that the, the character of God, it's a display of the character of God, it's a, it's a way of life as the old reformers have told us, but it's not um, every specific situation, it, it doesn't uh, address every tiny specific situation, so there is some ambiguity in there, there's some, there's some fogginess we have to look through and we have to sort through. Here, Jesus brings this a little bit um, you know, to, to the forefront and clears it up a little bit, but I think we need a little bit more clarity here in what it means to to be angry with someone. No one raise your hand because everybody in here would, and maybe some of you would do this like, yeah, this morning. How many of you have been angry with someone? Yeah, don't, I said not to raise your hand. Um, so yeah, and you're nudging the person that you're angry with, right? I mean, yeah, you, I, I love it. I love the looks on your face. You, you listen to the preacher now? Mm-hmm. Preach it, right? So everybody's been angry. And I'll tell you this, Jesus was angry as well. The Bible tells us that, 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 that Jesus, he was angry, but the Bible also tells us that Jesus never sinned. Was there a contradiction there? No, I'm going to propose to, to everyone here that just being angry is not a sin. It's what you do with that anger that is a sin. Because if we look at being angry, we're going to look at passages like John chapter 2. Switch there. This is the gospel of John. So, you know, Flip back here to the front. John chapter 2. In John chapter 2, what we see in verse... uh, We'll just read uh, 14 and 15. It says, In the temple he, Jesus, found those who were selling oxen and sheep and pigeons and the money changers sitting there and making a whip of cords... So this is one of those Jesus moments that I just love. I mean, my, my Jesus is not Brad Pitt, wavy hair Jesus, right? He's a, he's, he's a dude. And making a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen. He poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. Other accounts of, of, of this, this situation says that he, 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 he tells him, you have made my father's house a den of thieves or a den of robbers. If somebody walks into your house and overturns a table, do you think they're angry? Or clumsy, right? <laughs> no, but, but they're, they're, Jesus was angry here. But I'm going to, to, to say that this was a, a, a godly and a righteous anger. Because the Bible tells us in um, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26, it says, Be angry and do not sin. So, so, okay, look at this. It says, Be angry, but don't sin. So, I mean, logically looking at this, we can, we can see that, 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 that there is a, a, a moment which we're, we are totally just, and we're going to talk about that because that's that muddy part, we're totally just when it comes to being angry. And we're totally, we can be in God's will here and be angry. But it says, and it's attached that, do not sin. So being angry, and I know you're repeating yourself, Lee, good. Being angry is not a sin. It's what you do with that anger that causes sin or causes you to sin. Here it says in, in uh, Ephesians chapter 4, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Why should we not let the sun go down on our anger? Well, it says, and give no opportunity to the devil. 
This is one of those, if you're kind of putting the pieces of the puzzle together here, this is part of that. If your anger is causing opportunity to the devil, it's going to cause you to be in the part of that sinning category. If your anger is giving the devil that foothold, warning, 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 it's going to cause you to sin. So understand, be angry and do not sin. How do we do that? Well, I'm glad you asked. James chapter 1, I know we're jumping a lot around a lot here, but I think that bringing this picture or building the, 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 this, this collage is going to help us. It's kind of like a mosaic. We're going to get, take a little here and a little here, a little here, and you don't know what it looks like until you step back after it's all put together and you're like, oh, I get this. James chapter 1, verse 19, it says, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. I, I love this because it, it, it talks about, it says, slow to speak and slow to anger. It doesn't say do not speak and do not be angry. It says slow to speak and slow to anger. Um, in, in this thought, uh, Proverbs, Proverbs 14.29 says, a patient person shows great understanding, but a quick-tempered one promotes foolishness. So when we're talking about being slow to anger, when I, remember when I said it's okay to be angry, but as long as we're not sinning in, in, this, in, in the, 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 this sense, or, or in the sense of being angry? One of the, the, um, the, the one of, a, one of the, the warning signs is if you're like happy-go-lucky and all of a sudden, boom, you fly off the handle. I'm not saying every time, but it's probably a good indication that that's not a godly, um, a godly righteous anger. That's probably the, an, an anger of man, like it talks about in, in James. And the anger of man does not, does not promote the righteousness of God. So if you're quick-tempered, yeah, but I'm just seeing all this injustice and everything. Okay, maybe you're, you're a special case. We're all special cases here, right? Maybe, maybe you're just a special case. I fly off the handle, but you're... no, here's the deal. Slow to anger. Why be slow to anger? Well, it says because a patient person shows great understanding. But those who are the quick-tempered, they promote foolishness. Think about that, and don't, don't, again, don't raise your hands, don't, just don't say anything out loud, but just think to yourself, think of a time when you've flown off the handle, and you were angry, and you spew out all these words, and you're like, oh crap, I got to put the toothpaste back in the, tooth, you know, the tube now. You can't shove it back in, it doesn't go back in. Once it's out, it's out. If you were slow to anger in that situation, maybe you could have thought about it a little more. And this is what James here is saying. He's, it's not, he's not saying, well, it's, it's wrong to be angry. It's, there's a, there's a, a progression, I guess we could say, in being angry. Jesus, when he's talking about this, and when Jesus displays his anger, his righteousness, um, his righteous anger, what we understand is that anger which Jesus had was provoked because of a wrongdoing to God. It wasn't a self like, I don't like this, so it's got to be wrong. Again, that's maybe a warning sign. If Just because you don't like it doesn't mean that God doesn't like it. Because there's a lot of things that you don't like that God has said 
That doesn't make God wrong. It makes who wrong? Hello? Hello? Oh, there we are. It makes us wrong. <laughs> just hey, put this in your notes. God's never wrong. I mean, just to get that confusion out of the way there. If you're reading something in the Bible and it says God says this, you're like, wait a second, I think God's wrong. I think he messed up on that one. Okay, ask him that, and he'll say things like, where were you when uh, I put the stars in the sky? Uh, where were you when I, uh, you know, created that? Where were you when I said, you know, I mean, are, are we picking up on my sarcasm? Yes. We're, we're, we're getting it, right? God's not wrong. What we need to do is we need to see this. Okay, what, what, well, if my anger is, is causing me to sin, it's not because God is wrong. It's because I'm wrong, and I need to change. I need to do something about this. What can I do about it? This is where I really wanted to get today because I, I think that, that um, when we're talking about murder and we all kind of throw that away, it's like, okay, I'm not going to kill anybody. But no, we, we're all angry at, at one point or another. People make us, people suck sometimes, right? I mean, they're just mean. I mean it's, it's not, and it's not just little kids. Yeah, everybody who has kids in school age, you, you've had that, that talk with them like, yeah, you know, kids are just mean. No, adults are mean too. They're just big kids who are mean. Sometimes they just got bigger vocabularies and better or more resources at their fingertips to be mean with. Whatever. But they're still mean. So I'm, I'm sure that we've all, at one point or another, have encountered this, I'm angry with somebody. And it's because they're just, they're just mean. Or, or, or maybe, how about this? Maybe you've been angry with someone. It's not because they're mean. It's just because you're mean and, and they're telling you that you're mean. Anybody? No? No takers on that one? I didn't see no hands on that understanding here now that this, I'm not killing anybody, but I have been angry with someone. Question is, is the anger controlling you? Do you have control of that anger, is the anger or is the anger controlling you? Now, I want to say, if you have control of that anger, that's, that's good, that's good. But also, is the anger controlling you? I think there's, there's a, a bipartisan view on that. Anger can either propel you to sin or it can motivate you to good. Anger can motivate you to good, and, and my wife will tell you there's been times that, like, I get mad at her. She's right. Like, I haven't done something that needs done around the house, and I get, and she's saying, hey, you need to do this, you need to do this, you need to do this, and she's sick of calling my dad to see if he'll do it, so he's trying to get me, because she, she knows I can't build anything, but anywho, um, I get so frustrated and mad and angry at her, but she's right. I need to do this, so it could motivate into good, something good. But sometimes that anger, it, it, it causes us to sin. And I, and I can make my heart hard and take something that my wife is saying to me and just say, well, she just, she's just a jerk. Even though her birthday is Wednesday. She's still a jerk. She'll be almost 40. <laughs> almost. I, I didn't say, well, I mean, I didn't tell me you're going to be 39, but all right, almost. Okay. Almost, almost. So, but, but that anger, okay, do I have control of the anger? Does the anger control me? And if it is control me, does it control me for good? Is it controlling me for, for evil? Turn back to 1 John chapter 3, and this is where I kind of want to bring all of this together here. Because in 1 John chapter 3, it says, remember, everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Um, 
when I, when I say this, don't hear something I'm not saying. Well, then you saying just because I've hated somebody at one point or another that I'm not a Christian? I'm not saying that. That's between you and God, all right? What, what I am saying is, is if your life is continually murder and hate and just spewing out, I will say this. Jesus says out of the abundance of the heart, out of the mouth comes the abundance of the heart. What's coming out of your mouth and what's coming out in your life is going to display what's going on in your heart. If your heart is continually evil and it is just nastiness inside, and I'm not saying that you're fake on the outside and you just got this nice facade, oh, praise Jesus, and we're good, and how you doing, brother? I'll pray for you. No, but what's really going on? When no one else is around, what's coming out of your heart? What are the things that are coming out of, you, out of your heart into your mind? What are your, what are your thoughts like? Jesus does say that. So ask yourself, okay, as I'm saying all this and we're, 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 we're looking at this, I don't want to accuse anybody of not being in the kingdom of God, but I do want you to check if you make sure because it's better that you get mad at me now and then you stand in front of God and he says, you know, go away from me. I don't know you. Well, he would never do that. Well, he said he will. Matthew 7, there'll be those who come to me and say, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name. And he's going to say, go away from me. I don't know who you are. Why, why, why am I not going to know who? And, he, and we're going to like, well, why, why would he say that? Because on the outside, they said, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian. But their lives didn't show that. It wasn't displaying that. And this is what John here is saying. If you're harboring this hate and this murder inside, there's not eternal life inside of you. But you can do something about that. That's the, that's the beautiful part about this. He goes on to say, by this we know love. Okay, so if, if there's murder and there's, how, how, can I, how can I assess the situation and what do I need to do here? By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. Who's, who's he? Jesus by this we know, love, that he laid down his life for us. Who's us? Us. I was just seeing if you got it. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. That's, that's for, for the brothers and sisters. That's for us, the church. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? He's just using an example here. He's using an example. So if you're saying this, okay, this, your, your actions, no matter what it is, your actions should back up what it is that you're saying. Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. By this, what, by, by what? By this, living and um, uh, loving in word and in deed and in truth. By this, we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our hearts before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and know, he knows everything. Remember those thoughts that you've had? I'm not, I'm not, worth, I'm not worthy. Man, maybe God doesn't really love me or I'm not good enough. I don't know enough. I don't know. Those thoughts that are, that are, that are, that are coming up, understand that God's greater than that. And that's what he's saying here. God's greater than those lies that you've been lied to about. The truth is you are more than conquerors. We are more than conquerors, those of us who are in Christ Jesus. We that are in Christ Jesus are more than conquerors. Here He's saying that don't let, our, don't let your heart condemn you. 
Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandment, his commandments, and do what pleases him. And this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of the Son, of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, just as he has commanded us. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God. What does that mean to abide in God? That means to live in, to set up, to, uh, to set, actually to pitch a tent and to dwell in, in God in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. How can we know? How, how in the world am I going to be able to deal with that idiot in my life that makes me angry all the time? by the Spirit of God who dwells inside of you. You can't control someone else's actions. You can control your reactions, though. And by the way in which we, how are we going to control our reactions is by the Spirit of God who's inside of us. We can take those times that, like, if, that, that, that we're angry. We can assess this. Is, is this a godly anger? Is this a man's anger? Like a human fleshly anger? And then what are we going to do with it? Are we going to let it cause us to sin? Or if it is, if this is like, I'm just mad because I didn't get my ice cream. Well, then I need to repent of my sin and use that as an opportunity not to turn to sin, but to repent of that sin and turn to God and use that as an opportunity to grow in him. Because I want his love to abound in me. Why do I want his love to abound in me? Because out of the mouth comes the overflow of the heart. I want his love just to come out of me. Don't murder we don't murder, we're doing what God is telling us to do.